Welcome to Ask a Broker, episode 19. I'm your host, Scott Peckford. This is the show where Dustin Woodhouse and I answer your mortgage brokering questions. Whether you have questions on how to build or grow your mortgage business, this is the show for you. Here's how it works. Go to askabroker.ca, record a question, and if we answer your question on the show, we'll send you a swanky new I Love Mortgage Brokering t-shirt courtesy of Lendesk. Today on the show, Dustin and I talk about the mortgage rule changes that the Fed just announced. We've seen on the Facebook group, tons of people have been talking about it, and we thought, hey, let's just jump into it and talk about our thoughts on how it's going to impact our business, uh, what what it's going to look like sort of in the short and long term. I think you're going to really dig this chat that Dustin and I have. Before we get started, I want to thank today's sponsor. Ask a Broker is sponsored by Lendesk. Lendesk is a mortgage technology company based out of Vancouver that has built an origination platform specifically for Canadian brokers. Lendesk removes the headache of assembling an application with your client. Think of it as the ultimate CRM and deal management tool. They're pre-launched, but I'm helping them refine the platform, and I can tell you, it looks awesome. If you'd like to get early access to Lendesk with me, sign up at lendesk.com to stay in the loop. As for the cost, let's just say it's going to be an easy decision. This is going to be a game changer. Hey, Dustin, welcome to the show. Hey, Scott, how are you? So, I have a question for you. Are you a starter or a finisher? Uh, well, I would say uh, perception might uh, indicate that I'm a finisher because I do get a few things done, but uh, I start a whole lot more than I finish, and uh, I've got journals and journals and journals full of great ideas that uh, I have not turned into actual action, so I don't know. You'd lean on this. I'm the same way. I lean on the starter side for sure, and I have an Evernote account that is just full. Sometimes I'll wake up and I'll have a you know, an entrepreneurial avalanche or a seizure and I'll just have all these ideas and I'll dump them all in there and then I won't be able to get to them because I know that there's just too many and I already start enough things that I don't need to try to start a hundred new things. I hear you. I have a folder for blog ideas and my blog ideas folder has over 300 in it right now. So be nice to finish some of those and put them out there. Right. Awesome. So today on the show, we're going to do a little bit different. We're going to talk about the new rule changes and just have your and my perspective on how this is going to impact brokers in the short and long term. So why don't you, what are your thoughts on the changes? Maybe let's start with that and then we can talk about sort of how we see this is going to possibly play out. Uh, Well, let's start at the 100,000 foot view from Parliament Hill, I guess, and uh, and then sink all the way down into the the home office or the small little uh, eight by eight office that is mine of the, the individual broker. I think, as I say, on that macro level, we've got an environment largely created by media where one story after another is sprinkled around based on anecdotal extremes. And uh, it, it's kind of like all these stories of housing bubbles and people borrowing too much money and debt-to-income ratios. Think of them as like twigs scattered on the ground. And the regulators and the politicians, their amygdala sees that twig and it reacts. It thinks, is that a snake? And even though we in the industry know that a huge amount of the reporting is inaccurate or you know, exaggerated for effect, the regulators and the politicians, they're not face-to-face with clients. They're not looking at what we're looking at. And I think that their amygdalas are getting the better of them. And they're thinking, you know what, maybe one of these twigs is a snake and maybe we're going to get bit. Maybe it's all snakes. Maybe it's all snakes. And their biggest fear is that something does happen in the housing market, something negative, 
and they appear to have been sleeping at the switch. So they're going to make these changes. There's going to be more changes that are going to wind up coming our way. I mean, every year we've had changes for the last eight years, really, when you look at it. And I don't think they're going to let up anytime soon. And I certainly don't think any politician or regulator who values their job is going to undo any of these changes. They're not going to be seen to be softening regulation because it's all about optics, right? They want to appear to be doing their job. So I think that's the environment that we're stuck in. I think that the Globe and Mail is driving policy. It's like the tail wags the dog and the tail being the media. My thinking on this is that there are two main markets that are getting that get the most press, Vancouver and Toronto, and they've had some definitely they're you know Toronto's still going pretty strong but it's like two kids my thinking is like two kids in a class that are misbehaving and then the teacher decides to give everybody detention and you know Saskatoon's sitting there going hey wait, wait a minute I did my homework I'm why am I in detention and so when you make a national rule to try to deal with some regional problems there's always going to be unintended consequences and I think that um you know obviously I think that I don't think that it's a bad thing to have a qualifying rate but there's going to be some fallout from it in in the short term, certainly for uh, borrowers and for you know sellers and anybody that's kind of tied to the real estate market. And then the, I, my big concern too is the monoline lenders and how this is going to affect them because it's not like I was reading your post on the Facebook group. Uh, they're not as nimble as a mortgage broker who can just pivot and adjust to you know using different suppliers. They've got overhead and staff, and so that's a you know that's a concern that I'm thinking about too. Well, that's right. And I mean, to carry on with your analogy, I mean, the two class clowns, they're not really affected. Like, you know, you want to give uh, Scott and Dustin detention? Okay. You know, sorry to call us the class clowns. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, that's fine. I got time. I'll stay for detention. And, and what I mean by that is Vancouver and Toronto have much, much higher average household incomes than the rest of Canada, than small town Canada. And so these rule changes don't really impact a lot of people in the GTA and the GVA. I mean, they impact some. I'm not meaning to downplay that, that there are people who are truly devastated by these uh, changes. But the overall percentage of Canadians impacted I guarantee you it's much, much higher in the small town. And, you know, it's easy to think, well, those houses are only two fifty, three hundred thousand dollars $300,000. You know, it's a lot more uh, manageable. But the incomes are a lot lower. So you've got a lot of buyers in small town Canada, the Atlantic Canada, where that household income may be closer to fifty, sixty thousand. 60000 And they're being told, hey, uh, you know what, the $450,000 house you were looking at buying, now you're down to three sixty. The three hundred thousand dollar property, you're down to two forty, right? I mean, the two forty, you're down under two hundred. Like that twenty percent haircut that they've been given is significant, and uh, and not to get again too macro on the whole thing, but I think that home ownership is part of the fabric of society of Canada. I mean, it's part of the stability. It's part of why we have such a great country because it gives kids the ability to go to the same schools for 12 years the ability to have a family pet like it brings stability to canadians lives when they can own their own home mm -hmm. and to take that away from the lower middle class demographic 
is not a good thing. And as I say, that's, I think, the irony in all this. Like Vancouver and Toronto aren't being hit. Households with high incomes not being affected. It's that lower middle class that are getting thumped by these rules more than anyone. And that's that's really frustrating, uh, you know, again, on a bigger level. So so to drill down, as I was saying, into that individual broker's office, because, hey, you know, what about me? Right. A lot of us, that's that's our concern. Well, what about me? Am I going to be OK? I think the majority of brokers themselves are going to be OK, because, again, notwithstanding, there will be examples of brokers out there who 30 or 40 percent of their businesses are impacted by these changes. I'm sure there, there are some. But I think the majority of brokers, if they went back through their last 50, 100 files and, you know, the five-year fixed files that were high ratio and applied that qualifying rate and then thought about the clients, would they've got some assistance from parents, would, would there have been a co-signer or more down payment money, I think they'll probably find that the overall impact to their own personal book of business is pretty small. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, it's not that huge. And then again, too, I mean, if lenders go away, we still have access to a lot of lenders. So for the individual broker, this isn't the end of the world. It's just not. For certain monoline lenders, absolutely, this could be the end of the world. For thousands of families across the country, this is a huge problem. Mm-hmm. So there's two stories, right? I'm okay, you're okay, but is everyone else okay? Mm-hmm. You know, I think with the lenders in particular, I remember back when 2008 hit, and uh, that was a significant you know, turn of events and how the B subprime market basically dried up and street capital when they initially came out, they were actually targeting that sort of subprime space. And then they basically lost their funding and then quickly pivoted into a a lender and they're still in business today. And so I think that we're going to see some of these lenders that maybe they're going to change their business models. Maybe some of them will apply for bank status. Uh, I think the landscape is going to change. I feel for my, the lender partners that we work with that they've got a lot of, you got to navigate this, but you're right. As an individual broker, I still have choice. I, I gave the example in a video I did. I talked about Peter Matheny and how he was a huge supporter of First Line, and then they went away. And for him, it turned into a huge boom for his business because he's like, well, I have these orphan clients, and now we need to find solutions for them. And so he didn't think of it as a negative and say, oh, I wish. I, you know, Why is First Line gone? And you know, all of that. He, he didn't focus on that. What he focused on was, okay, well, I'm still in business, and how do I help these people? And so as the as an individual broker, I, I agree with you. I don't think that it's devastating. It is going to change to some degree some of the you know choices that we use for lenders. But even the lenders, the strong will will survive this. They're going to they'll navigate through it and find uh, you know different funding sources or however that looks. They'll figure out a way to to still service the market because people are still going to borrow money at the end of the day. This isn't going to stop the, our business or stop mortgages or stop people from buying or refinancing. No. No, there's going to be some unfortunate stories out there for sure, but um, you know we're we're all probably a lot more nimble than we realize, and we will get through it. But it uh, it's still change, and change creates fear, change creates chaos, but more than anything, change creates opportunity as well. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. And then, so how when you're talking to your clients, how do you what are you saying to them about the changes? So. How, what, what verbiage or language are you using to explain to them what's been happening? 
Well, I mean, for clients, you know, I, I mean, I certainly have clients who are reading, you know, much more deeply into the thing and they're, they're looking at the background story of securitization and, and, you know, and all the background effects on lenders and what does it mean for banks and what does it mean for mortgage interest rate spreads and effective interest rates. But I really try and keep clients focused on the fact that, you know, hey, you're a 20% down plus buyer. You've got significant income. You, you were looking at 65 to 75% as a shopping bracket of the actual mortgage amount we had you approved for. This change doesn't impact you. That's the conversation I'm having with nine out of 10 clients. Right. I literally, in my current pre-approvals of over 50 clients right now, the, the, the most recent 50 that I've been in touch with that so far, I've only got two. So 4% so far who, you know what, they've got challenges. Like they really, really needed that five-year qualifying rate to make things work. They haven't found a property that they can write an offer on. And they're in a little bit of a state of upheaval. You know, they're, you know, they got growing families. They're in a one bedroom condo. They're not very happy about what's happening by a long shot. But, you know, as I've said to them, well, you know, maybe you wind up renting a two bedroom or renting a three bedroom. You retain ownership of your one bedroom and you become a landlord. So at least you still have your foot in the market. At least you still own a property. And, you know, it's not the perfect solution, but you're still in the game. And, yeah, you're paying rent, but you're also collecting rent. So it helps you, you know, take the edge off. That's the best solution I've been able to come up with mm-hmm. for those for those couple of people. And, and, you know, even for somebody who doesn't own something, you know, it's obviously you're not supposed to be uh, renting a property out with less than 20% down, but... You know, is that is that a path that people are going to head down? I I don't know. Certainly, as a broker, we can't facilitate that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. yeah, I I think what I've been saying to clients, well, I have a lot of actually first time buyers, and so for me, it's like the impact has been significant on some of my buyers because it's just sort of the demographic that I've attracted. I think uh, first time buyers help me feel young, and you know, then I don't feel like I'm forty. <laughs> so and and I like the sort of the you know the excitement that they have in buying a place, but. I say to people that essentially what the government has done is they've raised interest rates without raising interest rates because by making this new you know, 4.64% qualifying rate, they've essentially bumped the rates, but they haven't had to raise rates. And so I still have the, I'm still of the opinion that interest rates are not going to go up, certainly not in the short term. And so people are like, some people that talk to me are kind of stressed or worried about that. And I'm, I'm, I'm still optimistic about rates staying low. Because this has had the effect of a raised rates without actually having to raise rates. What are your thoughts on that? Well, absolutely. I mean, so so two points. I mean, number one, could the government have actually done some math on this? Could they have said, okay, if a client takes a five-year fixed mortgage today, uh, let's factor in uh, an increase of 200 basis points on interest rates five years from now. But if we apply that to their lower mortgage balance five years from now, and if we factor in even one percent wage growth what does that actually look like and then maybe the stress test would have been a hundred basis point increase up front not 200 because you know they they sort of excluded those things so you know i think it would have been nice if they had uh, considered a graduated uh, increase that that would have been a good thing but that uh, that wasn't meant to be 
And will interest rates be 2% higher five years from now? Well, that's anybody's guess. But as I say, we do know that their mortgage balance will be significantly lower because they're getting a 50 cent on the dollar mortgage principal pay down right now for a mortgage they do have. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, you, you do say to clients, you know, theoretically, this is for our own good. And yes, this is the government, you know, looking out for us, protecting us from ourselves, even though arrears rates at uh, 0.27% would not indicate that we really have any trouble looking out for ourselves. We seem to self-regulate. But there we have it. So last question, what is your take on what do you think it's going to do to property values or prices? I don't see prices changing significantly, uh, at least not in my own backyard in the, in the greater Vancouver area. I, I, I just don't see it happening. We have 4,000 people immigrating and migrating per month into BC. People want to live here. They're flowing into the province. They all got to live somewhere. And, you know, we got the mountains to the north, the border to the south, the ocean on the west, and the agricultural land reserve that puts a whole chunk of land in, into farmland status to the east. So we're still pretty locked in on supply. On the supply side, we're very limited in what we can offer. So I just don't see with the steady flow of people coming in and not a lot of places to sprawl out and expand and build you know, and and the GTA has a similar situation with the green belt. Right. You know, I, I think in my market that there's still, a, we still have very little inventory. So I think that it's going to affect a certain segment of the, the buyer population, but I don't think that we're going to see a significant change in it. I, I guess that's where I'm at right now, but it is very regional. So that's kind of even a hard question to ask. It's like, because what's it going to do in Regina and what's it going to do in Winnipeg and every market's so unique. So I think as a, your local mortgage broker, you should be having conversations with your real estate agents and, and have a, a, be able to have a meaningful conversation with your clients about that. I mean, you're not predicting saying yeah, the prices are going to be this you know percent, but you should be able to answer that, I think, for your own market. Agreed. Agreed. And, uh, and again, to, to, to finish on your analogy, I don't think the two class clowns uh, are going to be impacted by this. They're not gonna. They're not gonna care. I, anyways, I really appreciate your time, Dustin. Thanks for sharing this. And yeah, anybody listening, check out askabroker.ca. Thanks for the opportunity, Scott. Have a great day.